he must have been in range of the spell. So I have to run a heist with a pig in my head? What the shit with the gun? It is to put in the hands of a hero who will do what is just and necessary. Which is? Assassinate she who plots to destroy Villery. Julia Wicker. What the hell is wrong with you? Wait, is this thing loaded? Well, of course it is. You know what? How about we cook me? No, 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 please, people! The fate of my world is at stake. Gentlemen, please control your spinsters. Guys, are you seeing this too? I can't take another heartache Though you say you're my friend I'm at my <laughs> wit's end You say your love is bona fide But that don't coincide With the things that you do When I ask you to be nice You say You gotta be cruel to be kind In the right measure Cruel to be kind, it's a very good sign Cruel to be kind means that I love you, baby You gotta be cruel to be kind Doing the dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do my best to understand here, but you still mystify, and I want to know why. I pick myself up off the ground to have you knock me back down again and again. And when I ask you to explain, you say you gotta be cruel to be kind in the right measure. Cruel to be kind, it's a very good sign. Cruel to be kind means that I love you, baby. You gotta be cruel to be kind. <laughs> I got Danny to sing along last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, not this time, no. <laughs> Mm. You see? This is why I don't hang out with you people. But on the bright side, we were pitch perfect. <laughs> Oink indeed. <laughs> Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly, everyone. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're coming to your ear holes to talk about this season's musical episode, episode 512, The Balls. We have two guests with us for this endeavor. Our mm -hmm. first guest's four-octave range has made her the shining star of many a musical <laughs> episode of The Magicians. It's Jade Taylor. <laughs> Welcome back, Jade. Hey! Thank you so much. It's so great to be back. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction like that. <laughs> <laughs> And our second guest is one of the three writers behind this episode, the others being Elle Lipson and John McNamara. <laughs> it's Joey Morales. Yep. Welcome, Joey. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so we put out the call kind of last minute, but we did actually get some listener questions, so I think we're going to start with those. And Jade, the first one is for you from at Mary0613K. What was your favorite scene in the whole show, all five seasons, to shoot? That is like choosing children. You just don't do it. <laughs> you know, it's really, I was thinking about that and it's really hard to pinpoint one. I think for me, I am a musical nut as John and Joey both know. Um, <laughs> and um, so I would say something that was 
fulfilling it in a different way was being able to, I, I mean, sing a Sondheim song for mm-hmm. the magicians. I mean, that it, it was a dream come true in so many levels, but to be able to sing, dance, and act in a show that I love with, um, you know, a song that I have admired by a human that I've admired for my whole life. It's just, that was a really shining moment for me. That was the, um, that was in all that Josh, right? The season three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Season three. Yeah. All I need is the girl. Yeah. Or boy. yeah. It was the, yeah. So that was really, that was a really powerful moment for me. Good answer. Really special. So Joey, Nick is live wanted to know, does it take more time to film a musical episode and how do the musical numbers work? Do actors sing along to pre-recorded vocals? Uh, yes. And well, no. And yes, I should say. Um, (laughs) so, you know, we honestly, you know, we only get, um, so many days to shoot an episode and that doesn't change through the whole season. So really, you know, we have that much more stuff to do. And that means that we just have to hit it even harder and just like hit all the stops. So something that we do along the way is, you know, once we have our songs in place and getting licensing and just everything, um, and then, you know, whoever is working with vocal coaches, everything, like once everyone's prepared, um, it's go time. And we just really have to get in the studio as fast as possible, lay the tracks down, make them perfect. And then by the time we are getting into like our actual prep and like going into shooting the episode, we have all those tracks recorded. So in the episode, you know, a a lot of the times, I mean, you know, on set, everybody would be singing actually, but we ultimately fall back on like the finally recorded uh, studio time really. At the end of the day, it's um, it's the stuff that we in the studio that you're actually hearing. Jay, do you get really tired when you're like running around the set and dancing a lot and like trying to sing along to the pre-recorded vocals? No, I'm the only one that I think doesn't because I'm like it like energizes me so much more. I'm not the only one, but I'm like overly excited about it. <laughs> you're um, a I, I love it. What'd you say? I said you're a champion. That's why. Oh, no, I'm just obsessed. (laughs) No, I just, I love it so much that like, there's not a moment that I get tired. I just, I would do it a thousand times. Like it's like Broadway for me. It's like eight shows a week. You don't get tired of it. You just keep doing it. You learn new things and nuances. And, um, no, it's something that like really, really energizes me and excites me. Cool. I love it. But it, but it is an interesting thing in regards to the recording because we do pre-record it. And then, so we have to really assess the script and the songs mm-hmm. a lot prior because we're, we have to then emote in the same way that we right, did when right. we did the pre-record. And so it's just a very interesting thing to, to really match that. And also, uh, so you just have to do work in a different way sometimes. Yeah. So you're like locking yourself into certain kinds of choices or to like more limited set of choices ahead of time. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That sounds really So I made a choice and. Yeah, and yeah, it's absolutely, it is. It's really fascinating. But I was just going to quickly say that I made a choice in in this one to like jump the octave and do it really big because Katie is really big, and then I I had to commit to that, you know. But thankfully, you know, it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another question for Joey from High King Elliot. When you find yourself low on writing inspiration, what helps you find your passion again? For me, honestly, one of the big things is music. Um, I when I whatever I'm writing, the first thing I do is I create a playlist. Just oh, whatever nice. 
and, it, and it's not, it's honestly not, um, you know, a lot of the time it's things that'll bring me back to a certain time in my life that are sort of encapsulated, like by that music, you know, yeah. it, cause it really is like once I'm listening, it just like immediately takes me back there and in it emotionally. And so you have a lot to draw on because you're just like, Oh, this was like a very visceral time in my life. And this actually, this music actually is the trigger that like just suddenly mm. opens up the door and it's just like this kind of library or something. I don't know. You know, you're just kind of opening up books. Not and that kind of library. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> just I just, kidding. I like to, I like to adventure. <laughs> no. Do you have like one writing playlist or a bunch or? No, a bunch. I create a new one for every single thing I'm working on. So it's like, uh, you know, all my side projects have very specific playlists that are that I design to like specifically bring me back to a certain area. And then, you know, and then with something like this, like this is different. This is my first time writing a musical. I've been in a lot. I've I've worked with musicals a lot, but this is the first time writing. And you know, it's you know, and there, there's a balance between what you get the rights to and like what you're able to actually write. Right. And so in this, you know, we, we especially tried to find those songs that encapsulate the emotion of what we're, mm. what we're tackling really. And so with that, you know, because music is my trigger, it was actually everything just like flowed very, just simple and even really where it's just like, it just happened. <laughs> um, awesome. And then, you know, and also you have, you, we do so much prep work in the room too, where it's just like, cause we're tackling the episode as a hive mind where, so right. by the time we're making it to script, like we know where we want to go. And so now mm-hmm. it's just playing jazz, like in between the beats. And so you find those little moments as a writer where you're just like, Oh, okay. I know what's happening here. I know why we're doing this. I know how I relate to this emotionally, but then you just fill in the gaps in between what you've already planned. Awesome. Well, we have a completely off-topic question <laughs> for you, Jade. Um, <laughs> from at Hiking like Fan, <laughs> as a curly-haired woman, I'm dying to know how you keep your hair looking good for longer than 30 minutes at a time. What's your routine? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I was using a product for a couple of years that I really, really loved and then found out that they're in a lawsuit right now just being very transparent. And so I stopped using it. So I'm figuring out a new routine. Um, and so I don't want to give you the name of that just in case, but, um, I think the key has always been just moisturizing and like, I always add water to it just to keep it hydrated. I think that's the key of anything. Um, I'll do, you know, Moroccan oil or coconut oil. Um, and that's, you know, that is the key to any curly hair is always keeping it moisturized and yeah, like hydrating ourselves. (laughs) So one last non-episode specific, though, relevant question from at Astro Eric L. If you could choose any song to include in a musical episode, regardless of whether it made sense from a plot perspective, what would it be and who would sing it? And it's kind of for both of you, but um, why don't you start us off, Joey? Oh, man. This is like, I was not prepared for this. And you also know, right, like, if you don't say Jade will sing it, she'll be deeply offended forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you for saying that <laughs> oh wow come back to me i need to think about this. there's too many the, the volumes yeah. i mean big. that's like yeah the the amount of songs gosh it's really hard to choose one song um but i would say the first one that came to mind and i don't know why 
maybe be, given the like current circumstance we're all facing is <laughs> what a wonderful world. Oh, I think there's nice. just like a reminder of like the beauty that exists in the world. And um, I know that there's a lot of um, sort of separation and self-quarantine that's happening, but I also think it's causing people to feel more empathetic towards others because you really have to think about like the curve and how we're affecting everyone and also um, how to connect differently. And so like, think about like it kind of like it's simplifying things. And so I think like the lyrics in and of themselves are really beautiful. Like I I see trees of green, red roses too. I watch them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. It's like, I, Mm. I really want people to be reminded of like the beauty of uh that exists um and so that's the first one that popped in my mind so yeah that's a good Sing answer <laughs> yeah you went with britney <laughs> first thing that popped into my head that I, I literally was having a conversation with my girlfriend the other day on how powerful a song this was but mm. i think actually share uh, life after love, or do you believe in life after love would actually yes. be crazy powerful in a musical and Jade would actually knock that out of the park. She would. Uh, I think, same. yeah, no, I was just, I was just, I was literally just having the conversation on how powerful of a pop song it was. Cause it was literally, she was just pouring all of her grief into this song uh, after, after Sunny. And it just like, it just resonates. And I'm not even, I don't even listen to share that much. It's just like that song always affected me because it was just so kind of visceral in a way. You know, my husband and I were watching the masked singer the other night and, um, he was saying, he was like, how long do you think before share is on this show? (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) She's kidding. I love that show. And just like a little plug, um, Trevor, his uh-huh. wife, Alex, yeah. is a dancer on the, on the Mass Singer. Oh, cool. Really? Wait, what has she been in? Which which of the... All of them. I think all of them the past two seasons, yeah. I have to it's look so more fun. closely now, at his Instagram. Now they're wearing, they're wearing masks this season, but the previous season they weren't really wearing masks. They were kind of wearing just these little, like, cute, yeah. like, little eye covers. And now they're just completely covering her face. So I, I've never known which one it is, but, but it's really fun. That's awesome. It's a fun show. Yeah. Well, okay, I think it's then time for us to talk about the episode. And uh, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think this might be the craziest <laughs> musical episode we've ever had on the show. Um, not least because it is both a musical episode and a heist episode. And, of course, there's a singing pig, as we heard. But before we dive too deep, quick recap. Uh, so Marina restored to her sociopathic self. Self leads the Scooby gang in an attempt to steal the world seed from the couple. A conductor spell helps Marina keep tabs on our heroes with musical consequences. Meanwhile, Julia tracks down Penny's mom, and the two of them confront her to learn what they can about the perils of psychic motherhood and how to prevent them from undoing Julia. Things come to a head as the heist plan goes sideways, and Alice and Elliot do what they can to get things back on track to the tune of the Ramones. With a little help from Fenn and Santa, the Scooby gang escape with the world seed, ready to carry out their plan to to create a new world for all Thalorians. So, Danny, what did you think of this episode? 
there's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> but it was really, it was a really enjoyable episode. It was very fun, but it also had like a lot of like really touching moments. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are very small, but like so tender. And like now I've gotten to this point where like I really hope that people can see why I really don't like Marina's girlfriend. <laughs> For one, she shows textbook signs of emotional abuse and I'm not down with it. So I was really happy when Marina told her to fuck off. Um, it felt like a really, but it also just felt like a really long episode to me, like in a good way, um, especially because I don't want the show to end. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but it's really like losing a best friend. But before I get too sappy, we should continue. Aw. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And so much gets revealed in this episode. Like, we finally find out who the couple is. And much to my personal surprise, it's just like a random actual couple. <laughs> and their whole motivation is that they want to have a baby. Which, I I feel like my reaction and Fen's reaction were the same. Like, that just wasn't what I was expecting. But it's also yeah. kind of <laughs> entertaining. There were enough... You guys did a good job with all the red herrings throughout the season uh, and making that unexpected. Mm -hmm. Um, We also get to see what happened to Fog17, who Katie sends to join other Fog in the etheric realm at the end of this episode. And we're continuing to get more and more of Penny's backstory, so we finally get to meet his mom in this episode. But it's also big and crazy and campy in all the ways that we've come to expect from a musical episode of The Magicians, just, like, more so. Like, this was every other musical episode, but on steroids. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, like, no, we always watch the episodes a couple times before we come into this, but this was one of those ones where I really had to watch it a couple times before I could, like, get, absorb all of it, because there was just so much happening. So I think the question that I want to start with, which is from Spooky Spice, is... How does incorporating music into an episode change the way that you approach writing it? What are the unique challenges of it? And what are the unique joys? And then I'm going to add my own little addendum to this, which is how do you keep John from going completely off the rails when you're working with him? (laughs) You don't. That's that's the beauty. It's just like, he's the boss. (laughs) You honestly, uh, your job is to rise to his level. (laughs) You're just like, like, yes, let's do this. Let's let's like honestly tackle this from the craziest, most heartfelt perspective that that you can really, um, and which just means just feeling everything just in a heightened sense, like the way kind of a musical is. Um, and you know, as far as uh, breaking the episode and writing the episode. Um, you know, musical or no, it's not really different. Um, you are still coming at it story first and character first where, you know, you have your arc set up. It's like, you know, we knew a couple of things about uh, the finale where we needed to get to a certain point by the end. But then at the same time, we knew where these characters were coming in. And, you know, we just we had decided like, OK, yes, this is going to be a musical, but this is also a heist. So we are going to break this heist episode and we're going to hit all the steps and just honestly um, tackle it from a character perspective first. And along the way, it's, you know, you kind of meld the musical qualities to it where it's just like, so we're like, okay, we we have the story up until this point. We know we want to put a musical number around this area of the script um, dealing with this issue or this emotion or this. Um, you're tackling it from a story perspective where, we knew that 
the, uh, whatever characters were in whatever scene were going to be dealing with this emotion and have the a certain arc. And then along the way, you try and find the right song that will mm. portray that emotion. And, you know, we, we actually, we, we broke certain things a number of times where it's just like we had certain songs in mind, but then we couldn't get the rights to it or something like that. So it shifted it just slightly. It's like the emotion didn't, but we were just like, okay, we need to find a new song. And ultimately in the end, I just, I just think it worked out so wonderfully. And uh, it, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, outcome, honestly. Um, which, you know, it's just, it's equally intensive planning and happy accidents and then also really just pouring your heart and soul into it and you in the end you you get there and then once the cast comes in and everybody brings their heart and soul to it it's just like that's when it really comes alive and it's just like we wrote and we rewrote and just kept writing and then by the time we got to the studio once we started hearing them sing the songs we're just like oh my god this is you know like this is really gonna shine follow up what other songs did you try to get? Uh, there was actually a period where we were going to shoot for all Prince songs. Like, oh. for it was really, really cool what we were planning. But then, you know, that shifted. And then we had some other plans. And then that shifted. And then it just, you know, you, you're just kind of going you have to kind of go with the flow when it when it comes mm-hmm. to these things. Because it's just like, okay, we can't get too hung up on this because it's just you know, we have to keep moving because we only have so many days. Well, Jade, this is an especially big and zany musical episode. Did that make yeah. it more exciting for you? How does this one compare to the musical episodes that you've been in past seasons? When you bring in a heist into a musical, it automatically gives it like these complexities and layers that, that change it out of a normal, just a standard musical. But I think, you know, our writers have this incredible ability to make it um to take a musical and and bring some magic to it literally like last season with you know being in the desert and it being this like psychedelic trip and like you know what i mean there's so many things that that have been created and i think it's just it's always there's not a comparison they're just always unique and different and um and so much fun to do and and i think with this one in particular it's the first time I've danced with a, a pig. That's a, you know, it changes things a little bit. And, um, and also, you know, we, we bring in like the emotion bottles and how that changes our experience. And so there's all, all these deep layers to it that they've brought and, and gifted us with to be able to play with. And I think they always, uh, they always just get bigger every year or they've gotten bigger every year. And so this, this yeah, this year is no different. That's the goal. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You brought up the emotion bottles, which is actually part of our next question. Let's talk about the return of the emotion bottles. What drove that choice? Did it come out of trying to solve the problem of the golems or did you go in thinking we want to bring this element back and how do we do it? We had come up with the idea of the golems because we needed a awesome security system for this cool place. Um, (laughs) And, and, that was honestly, uh, that was one of the things where we were just like, okay, well, how would we defeat something like that? And we were just like, well, we've done this before. And we saw how that happened or how that worked out last time. And so it's like, this is actually going to be like really a cornerstone to everything. Yeah. Um, but it was, it really came out of, uh, 
finding the solution of breaking into this place. Like after we had established like that, these, uh, these golems were going to be this massive hurdle that we needed to, to get around. Yeah. Well, and that was one of my favorite conceits in the episode. Cause it's, it is so well motivated by what's going on plot wise, but it was also, we had more people this time and different people who had to be bottled up. And so we got to see how people who I think are, more who are emotional but like less in this in the melancholy way react to having everything bottled up so like fen Mm -hmm. was i think really interesting because she's so bubbly and emotion forward and in this episode she's still a bit bubbly but you get more of that like crafty and assertive side sort of building off of what happened in the last episode and it's like bottling her emotions allows her to stop worrying about pleasing everyone all the time and just like yeah. <laughs> just be the smart, creative badass that she is. So I really enjoyed that part. Danny, did you did you have thoughts you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean it was really awesome to see Fen that way. Uh, I wasn't sure if she had one for a bit. Like I wasn't sure if she had the emotion bottle the whole time. Like I it didn't really click yeah. for me until later in the episode that she had one because we never saw it on her. But mm-hmm. I like seeing her like looking out for herself a little bit more and like she felt really calculated, which was what we needed in the episode. Mm. I also really like though, when like the emotions all like flood back and she, she just like freaks out and her like voice cracks. <laughs> and she's just like squeezing. So funny. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, I, I was just like, this is going to end up being a joke. Like I knew that when Margot like reached into the bag and it was like moist that she was like, I was like, someone's going to, someone's going to put their seat, the seat up there. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to point out that in, oh, in our little sort of notes, she wrote, someone will put it up there. Hoo ha. And I wish she'd said that. Cause I thought it was so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. But I, think you, you I, I literally also... texted Brittany after telling her how like how amazing she was because she was just so funny in this. So it was such, funny. Yeah. I mean, but she was also giving incredible writing. You know, it was so good. And Danny, you were talking about earlier, like some of those quiet moments. And you're right that I think some of my favorite quiet moments came out of the emotion ball conceit as well. So like the scene in the hallway where... Alice's emotion bottle gets broken and it all comes rushing back. Like, I think that might be my favorite song in this entire episode because it is just so emotional and, uh, yeah, like crazy um, and arresting in that moment. Um, And it is quiet. Like, it's for exactly that reason. It's like this quiet in the middle of this uh, storm of heist insanity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was surprised yeah. that they convinced Olivia to sing so much since she hates it. <laughs> I well, think she, actually, she secretly loves it. Oh yeah, she, <laughs> she she came to us and she she wanted to this year, and that was that was the big the big thing. Where and we spent a lot of time and a lot of just really. Um, she she put in the work and the effort, and I just you know she just knocked it out of the park. Like she was wonderful in this episode. It was incredible. And that was, uh, it was just so much fun just being in the studio with, with everyone, honestly, because everyone was just so passionate about it this year where it's just like, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to pour our entire heart and soul into it. And so we, you know, we hadn't even started shooting yet and we, you know, we're in the studio and like Elle and I are just sitting there, uh, 
the studio and Olivia's singing and Elle and I are just like crying our eyes out, you know, <laughs> and we're just like, this is, this is amazing. This is going to be really special. So changing tack slightly, we talked a bit in our last episode, the one that we had David and Brittany and, uh, and uh, Mike on for about the Katie Marina dynamic. Cause there's so much baggage there, so much that's happened. And yet Katie is able to work with her now in a way that old Katie probably couldn't have. So like she was even the one who said to Alice in the last episode that maybe they shouldn't mess with her spells and like should let her just like continue on the path that she was on. And so Jade, I was curious from your perspective, how does Katie see that relationship with Marina? Like how has it evolved for her since Marina basically was responsible for her mother's death all those years ago? Yeah, well, I think I think in so many ways, I think beforehand Katie felt like a victim to Marina. And I think as Katie has found her strength over the years, she no longer is afraid of that because she doesn't have, she, um, I think she sees her own power and doesn't feel like she can now have power over her. Mm-hmm. And I also think she's dealt with a lot of forgiveness and, and understanding, you know, with everything from like Julia and Penny. I mean, the list goes on of the people she's forgiven. And, and in that, I think, um, again, she's found her strength and found a different understanding and empathy. And when um, I believe that when she started to lead the hedges, that also gives a different sense of, of power where it um, and understanding of people that might be misunderstood. I really like I really like what you said there about like her coming into her own power and feeling like less of a victim and how that sort of gives her this ability to empathize with. Marina, because I think that's, I don't know, that's something that I just sort of see in general is that like the more judgmental we are, the more angry we are, the harder it is to empathize with people and sort of vice versa. Um, It's also really hard if we can't empathize at all, even with people who have hurt us to like cope with that hurt and process it ourselves. So I think that's a really powerful message. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, speaking of Katie's relationships with other women on the show, we've been getting a lot of callous action this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this episode... We really we... tried to, to fight for a, a better a better ship name, but... <laughs> 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 and in this episode, we kind of get to see them kiss, um, even if it's only like a way to hide. What do you think of the ship? And do you think Katie and Alice make a good pairing? I love it so much. Olivia and I, like, we just have the best time working together. We can't stop laughing. <laughs> and it's kind of sometimes to the point where it's a problem. Um, no, but we really we really love working together. And, um, and I love the Katie-Alice dynamic. I think they're a very unlikely pair, but also, like, both very... Uh, strong, unique individuals mm-hmm. and uh, these powerful women that are coming together for, you know, the betterment of humanity and the greater good. And I think there's, you know, something really powerful about that. And I, yeah, we were always rooting for it. We also thought of the ship name, A Lady. <laughs> uh, I mean, we were, we were literally, so this is the funny part is, um, Al- <laughs> I was gonna say Alice. Olivia and I have uh, actually been fighting for a ship for like a couple of years now, <laughs> <laughs> and so for it to finally be happening, it makes me really happy. <laughs> that makes me really happy. 
yeah, I mean, I just love, I love the dynamic and I love working with Liv. It's just been, it's been a joy. <laughs> so last question before we move on to the Julia and Penny plot line. Joey, what can you tell us about that heist book? Because it is a work of art. It was beautiful. Oh my God. It was, you know, it was a, it was a process, uh, getting to that point really. Um, but it was just from, from the beginning, you know, it's just like when we first got, uh, drafts of just the closed book, um, in previous episodes, we were just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is so cool. And then, you know, then we go to shoot it and, you know, it's obviously CGI, and so when we're actually acting, like shooting the scene, like all the, all the actors basically had to pretend that this thing was growing in front of them. And that was just really fun getting, getting those takes because we had everyone in the same room together, which rarely happens. And so that alone was just fantastic to just mm. be there. And just the energy is just amazing. Cause everyone was just laughing constantly. Um, <laughs> but then once we, you know, once we were figuring out how everything's working, we we actually had to create the beginnings of a pop-up book. Um, so our props department and our production designers, they they were just fantastic in that whole process, and they just they, you know, they had to go into work that day and be and learn how to make a pop-up book, which is just <laughs> something that you don't just learn overnight. Like it's actually a very <laughs> intricate and tough thing to learn. So and you gave them a that. very complicated <laughs> pop-up book. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, and then later on our, uh, visual effects department, you know, they just pulled out all the stops and it just made this wonderfully shifting, incredible thing that you're just, you know, by the time I was seeing, uh, finished proofs, I was just blown away. It was, it was just fantastic. And then the, the other thing too, about all of that is, um, the props and production design team, they also created the fully finished model which was yeah. also beautiful it was so cool because you know it's tough to transport we we had to bring it on location at a couple of points which was actually like nerve-wracking because we didn't want to ruin everything because it's just this beautiful model it's um, like carrying up your finished product at the great british bake-off yeah exactly <laughs> we're, we're literally where i went to try and help once and they're like no <laughs> and it was just this wonderful <laughs> like wonderful, wonderful work where it's just we finally get on set and see it for the first time. We were just in awe and you're just looking through all the corridors and just everything and it's just so much fun. I I probably have like a hundred pictures of just the model alone. It's incredible. I think it might be my favorite prop from like all five seasons yeah. of the show. It's a tie between that and the book Gina from last season, which was just so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Props also had their work cut out for them, too, because, you know, everything, every little detail, like, in the hotel was also uh, specifically Nave Hotel-related. So, mm. like, we they made stationery, they made pins for the lapels of, like, the bellhops, and just all these, they created a little symbol, like, that to, like, mm. we essentially just created our, our own brand, really, for this hotel. And, uh, <laughs> There's pamphlets everywhere, and it's just if you really look at like the desk and things like that, like everything says Nave Hotel, and it's just like that was real. Well, you incredible. tricked Danny works for a hotel, and you tricked her because she like put in her notes, "Is this a real hotel?" Oh, <laughs> it looked real. It was, it was wonderful work. <laughs> I was also curious, like how did the suitcase scene work? Like how do you how do you shoot <laughs> it was that? So fun. Was it a suitcase, oh China? Wait, wait, Joey, did you get to crawl through it? No, I didn't. But I have a uh -huh. video. Uh -huh. 
crawling through it. Oh, I know. Oh, oh my God. Will you even, send me that, please? Yeah, yeah I will. <laughs> it's like a four minute long it's, video because they like amazing. cut it short. I, I think either you or Olivia are like yelling like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> One of them. Probably me. <laughs> it's likely me. Um, yeah. So essentially what they did, which is so brilliant, is they built like, they built out the room in our studio and then uh the bed was backed up against a wall and they basically created a tunnel under the bed and a hole through the bed so so the suitcase was covering the hole and had a hole in it so you basically crawl through and then come out of it and so we are basically like in a line in the studio like kneeling down and then crawling through this little tunnel to come up through the bed. It was so much fun. It just felt like we were on a heist. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, Video uh, no, Village and yeah, the we, rest of us were sitting on the other side of the wall and it is so yeah. hard not to laugh like through this thin <laughs> wall, like while they're doing yeah. this, this very yeah. quiet like bit. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was coming out differently, which made it really fun. Like everyone had their own like weird corks. Like they cut yeah. my, like part of my bit out. But like, you know, Katie, she just, she's skilled physically. And so it's like, I just like threw myself out like cleanly. And then everyone else is like kind of awkward and, you know, just, and then, you know, fun falling over herself. And it's just, it had this <laughs> perfect moment. It just, it, yeah. It made it really fun. You I love like that. A gazelle coming out of that. <laughs> you're, you're honestly too good at it. That's, that's, I think that's, I probably want to cut it. It was, a, it was timing. And then it also was just less funny because you're just like, Oh well, she's awesome at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should we should move to to Julia and Penny, and this part of the episode picks up basically where we left off with them last time, with Julia having these psychic attacks as a result of her pregnancy, trying to figure out what's going on. So in this episode, we meet the only person that either of them knows who has been through the same thing, which is Penny's mom. And in a twist, it turns out that she's doing fine. Now that she isn't around Penny, because like Penny thought his whole life that she had had a nervous breakdown and what and that's why she wasn't around. But contact with him starts to bring on those same kinds of problems that she had when he was young. And though Julia thinks she can fix it, Penny, Penny's mom isn't willing to try again. And so I kind of wanted to just like throw that to you, Danny, about like, how did you feel about all that? Because it feels so emotional and wrought. I just feel like seeing all all of this like about his mom and like getting more of his backstory really just kind of explains a lot about Penny. Mm, he sure. was never able to take care of his mom, so I feel like that's why he's always been like the biggest caretaker in the group and especially the women in his life. And he really just like had to raise himself. Um seeing Penny and Julia connect through all of this is really touching and I, I can start seeing the positives of them as a ship um, I'm not sold still but it's starting to make more sense it's also just like really devastating and I can't imagine like what it must feel like for Penny to take all of that in and then carry on and like have a baby in the very near future like that's just so much Oh my god, I know. I mean, I felt so sad for Penny, especially in that last scene where his mom says that like she can't do it again, that it'll kill her. Because like, as much as you can understand her position, it's also just... Like, there's no way that that's not hurtful to him to, yeah, yeah to, like, experience. Because your mom is supposed to be the one who takes care of you, and he hasn't ever had that. No matter what, yeah. 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 And, yeah, I guess when you were 
writing this episode with John and Al Joey, like what what drove the choice for Penny's mom to to refuse that opportunity? Um, and how do you and the other writers imagine that he's processing that? The big thing with those scenes, um, which was, it was it was really incredible because I honestly um, with those those scenes really ground the episode. Um, yeah. Every everything else is just big and <laughs> crazy, and you're just like, oh my god! But then you get to those scenes, and you're just like, oh my god! This is actually just very emotionally raw and you're just it it really just keeps your feet on the ground when you're and it reminds you that we're dealing with real human emotions and and everything and um that being said their performances were just so powerful um it was really incredible to see everything leap off the page once we actually were shooting those scenes um And so those days on set were really somber because um, everybody was very focused and everything. Um, Mira, who played Penny's mom, was just she she was in the zone and Arjun and her just had such chemistry. And it was just like such a you could feel it in the air um, when we were shooting those scenes. Um, That being said, it was just very. It was cathartic in in a very big way, I think, for a lot of us because you know you don't you don't get to see that side of Penny much, and that really it resonates. Like once you once you hit that, and you're just you're realizing like these scenes are explaining his entire persona, where it's just this is the biggest thing that's ever happened in his life, and he is getting to this point. And then suddenly, in a way, being rejected again, and mm-hmm. it, it's just, it was just such it's so devastating and emotional, and it, it was just fantastic to to both write and just be there for. And the other thing too that I I should say is uh, Mira Menon, our director, who just knocked everything out of the park as well. Um, it was a really awesome day for for the three of them because they were all incredibly excited because and Mira said to Elle, Elle and I while we were driving up to set she was like I'm so excited for today because this is the first day in my entire career that I'm directing a scene with all Indian actors and we're not referencing the fact that they're Indian like this is like these are this is real human emotional moments and so the fact that we're not you know, we're not calling attention to that. Like, it's just like, this is the story of a family. Um, and it was just such a big day for all of them. And they just were so, so on point. Um, and it just, it was incredible to watch that magic. So David pointed out last time in our last episode that Katie and Penny 40 were together a lot longer than Penny 23 has been with Julia, but Penny 40 never told her about his mother my heart really broke for her when she still was like, that's my penny in 510. Do you think it will be hard for Katie to learn how much she didn't know about him? And how do you think she's processing the relationship between Julia and Penny 23 in general? You know, I think, um, I think she doesn't see him as her penny anymore but I think it it, there's moments where it sparks that that sadness and longing and I think when we see her go that's my penny like she still believes that um that penny 40 is her her penny Mm -hmm. and 
and there's still that love there. Um, I think there's a lot of things that she regrets or is sad about in regards to the relationship. And I don't think, uh, and I think part of it was, you know, she knew that she didn't, there were things that she didn't know about him, Mm. um, because of how guarded he was sometimes, but she was the same way. And so I think there was some relatability, um, in, in the, um, unwillingness to be vulnerable in, in certain ways during that time. And that was part of, um, what made them understand each other so deeply. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely hard for her, but I, I do think she sees it as a different relationship. And of course there's like, it's, it's weird because she's looking at the face of her person, but she definitely knows it's not him because they've had like these deep conversations about the other penny and, um, about her penny. And I think, um, she's really grown over, you know, this, you know, past or years really at this point, um, mm-hmm. to, to realize that. Mm. Yeah. That's still sad. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so um, sad. I have a little bit of a follow-up. You, it's, it's actually kind of funny that like, you know, it's Penny and Julia that are together because it's like the two people that were closest to Katie. Mm. Um, yeah. How, how, um, how different is it, like, since, like, you know, you, you rarely get to work with, I feel like, um, Stella or Arjun anymore. Like, yeah. you used to always yeah. be with them. Yeah. Um, so is that kind of weird for you? You know, it's, it's um, it is and it isn't. I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of, when I'm, when I'm playing Katie, like, I see it in the same way that she does. She's no longer connected with them. And, um, in the same ways that she was, you know, in, in a very, it's just a different, it's a different relationship with both of them that she has now. And so it's a different relationship that I have with both of them as well. Um, of course, like we, cause we are all still hanging out on set and we hang out outside of set. And so it's, um, so it's different not getting to work with them one-on-one all the time, but it's also helped the relationship and the understanding that there is now separation. I think the beautiful thing, and I think, you know, Sarah and John had said this, when you know penny 40 left not left but when he died um trying to think of a better way to say died (laughs) passed on um because he didn't really die he's still there how do i say this um (laughs) you know what i what i loved about what they said is that it would give katie a chance to find her individuality yes and um and so that's been a gift and um to be able to uh be on that journey with katie and not be on the journey with as like the the sidekick to them to quote Katie. Um, um, but to actually find, find out who she is on her own. And so, uh, yes, there's a, a longing and a missing of that, but I think it's, it, for me, it sort of emulates real life. It, it's also important to find one's individuality outside of those relationships. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to fashion time, but before we move on to that, we wanted to give the two of you a chance to talk about the show and what it is meant to you as we've been doing with everyone since we learned that this was going to be the final season so Jade let's start with you what has it meant to you to work on this show to inhabit Katie for five seasons make me cry already um (laughs) gosh no but it's a good thing because it's like I'm crying because it means that much to me it has it's honestly been been life-changing and um I don't say that lightly. I'm, I mean that with every ounce of my being that it has been life changing. It, uh, it's been an honor to work on a show that really represents the whole of humanity mm. and represents all kinds of people, um, and celebrates people's uniqueness. 
Um, it's an honor to work on something that impacts people in the way that it has to know that there are people that feel like it saved their lives. And, and, and I think in a lot of ways it saved mine. It, um, allowed me like, I, I think, you know, I said before, like art imitating life. I feel like I've learned so much through playing Katie too. I found my own strength in a lot of ways in my own voice and, let get let down some of my own protection mechanisms that I was holding on to very very similarly to Katie um, to find my truth and my vulnerability and my authenticity and and the, the getting the gift of getting to work with the people that I've gotten to work with I mean our staff like our writers our creators our producers our cast everyone on that crew like they are family and um, and it's been just the greatest gift of my life thus far. And I, um, I'm beyond grateful. There, there's like no words to describe the appreciation I feel for the experience. And, and the tears aren't sadness. Cause I, and I know that like, there's a, um, a conclusion to everything in life. And, um, it's, it's just really, it's true joy. And of course there's going to be a longing and a missing and a grieving. And I think that's normal. Um, but, like life, everything must go on. Like the show must go on. Life must go on. And, and I hope that everybody can take what, what I've learned, like what we've learned as a collective in this experience. Cause it's not just my experience or, you know, the cast experience, it's all of us. We were all a part of it. And I hope that they don't let that fall by the wayside. They, that they take it with them and hold it dear and, like I just got a, a new tattoo that says um, in Hebrew, I am magic because it's just like a reminder that it doesn't exist outside, that it's something we take with us. And, um, and so I just really hope that people remember that, that it doesn't end here. I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we make cry every time she's on. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She knows what she's getting into. all right joey what about you what has it meant for you to be a part of the magician everything that jay just said honestly it's really you know everyone on this show is my family um and it's just been such uh it's been such a whirlwind over the years and it's meant everything to me. And honestly, like this show, you know, I've, I've been working in Hollywood for a while before I came onto the show. Um, and I came on, uh, on season one, I became an assistant, like many of my peers in the room, a lot, most of us have worked our way up and been giving the incredible opportunity to, to join the ranks of the room and, um, and to just keep pouring your soul into it. And, and that's, I think, one of the, it's one of the reasons I think that the show is so heartfelt and fun and joyous. Cause it's, you know, that, that's, that's the only word I can really think of to describe it. Like it's just pure joy. Like even through the tough times or, you know, it's not every day is easy. Like it's like, we're making a TV show. It's, it's just a, giant train that's not going to stop for anyone but like we're all just pulling together and looking out for each other and being that shoulder to cry on and being that hand to hold in the dark really um and it's just something that 
we, um, you know, I mean, we're all going through withdrawal right now from not being able to be with each other. Uh, I mean, not just because of current <laughs> events, but it's just we uh, we've scheduled multiple uh, basically get-togethers because we all just miss each other so much. Where it's just um, it's just been this incredible experience and has just kind of given me everything. And I, um, it's just been this honor and privilege and just wonderful experience in the entire ride. And it's, uh, you know, I know it's life, but, and it's, it's just terrible that it has to come to an end. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We've been, I, I think it has been, obviously it's, it's hard for us. and sad for us that the show is ending too. Um, both as fans and also for what we do because it's this podcast has been a part of our life for so long at this point um but it has meant a lot to me personally to be able to hear what it has meant to all of you as well so thank you for sharing yeah and uh shall we take a hard left turn into fashion <laughs> the sec- the uh, segment of our podcast that everyone thought was frivolous and that turned out to actually be really weird and meaningful because you guys have such great costumes. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. So uh, I had sort of three main things that I wanted to talk about. I know Danny has some too. So the first one is just that it's really good to see Gothy Marina again. Um, I, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, but I remember that we talked to Lev at some point, Danny and I did, about um, the way Casey plays Marina and the way they dress her. And what he said was basically like when they cast her and she started as Marina, he was like, oh, that was who I imagined. Like, that's what I imagined Julia like from her safe house days um, when I was writing the books. Oh. Like, that was basically what was in my yeah. head. And the Marina yeah. we've seen this season, minus the partially lobotomized version from last week's episode, definitely fit that bill <laughs> for me. Um, I was curious, like, did was that something that you thought of at all, Danny? Did you have thoughts about goth Marina? versus goody two-shoes marina you know in general well i definitely vibe with the goth marina way more um (laughs) uh and i i want to say at some point someone said that like casey like auditioned for playing julia oh did she i want to say someone said that once or that she could have gotten it but because I remember Lev saying something like that before. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I definitely vibe with Goth Julia. I mean, Goth Marina more. I like Goth Julia too, though. Um, <laughs> there's a lot, like, there's a lot of really good outfits in this yeah. episode. And I felt like a lot of them dressed kind of more like how they used to dress. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I noticed that Elliot. And Katie in particular kind of wore stuff that they would more wear in, like, season one or season two. Um, I liked Alice's outfit, too, like, the all-black ensemble. Um, And this isn't, like, completely fashion, but I, like, love the little touch of how Alice is, like, holding her glasses um, when she's coming out of the suitcase and, like, puts them on afterwards. (laughs) And, And how Josh is holding Margot's shoes for her. Like, that was so funny to me. So good. 
She like uses him as a step stool to like get into her. (laughs) What What's funny is like I think she she just took them off to figure out how to do it, and he just picked them up and was like, "I'm taking these." (laughs) (laughs) In the moment choices. (laughs) Yeah, in the moment choices. Jade, we commented on an earlier episode that Katie's sartorial like transformation over these last five seasons has been like the biggest of all the characters. In mm-hmm. season one, her fashion was very like bohemian punk, and it's become more like and more practical as she's developed a greater sense for her responsibility to others. What do yeah. you think of her fashion transformation? I I've loved it. I've loved like just because I think it's an outward. Ex- outward expression of her inner transformation and I think as she's felt more solid the the patterns have gotten more solid the clothes Mm. have gotten more solid and and more structured and so it's just interesting to see I think they do are you know ugly our costume department they're incredible that was me bowing down to them can't see what I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) Um, um but uh yeah I just I love that as she grew so did um what the choices and I thought that was really, really powerful because for me, the two ways that I always um, find my character or three ways rather is my walk. So like my physical stance, the clothing and the voice. Mm. And so the clothing helps so much to really solidify, okay, what, what is that? Like, what does it feel like to be in the body of this character and this person? Mm-hmm. And so as that shifted, it allowed me to embody that in a different way as well. Yeah. So I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, you mentioned Alice's outfit. And one of the other things that I really wanted to make sure we called out was that Alice is wearing a Peter Pan collar in this episode. And uh, I really super associate that with season one, Alice. And we've been talking all season about how Alice's hair and makeup and fashion have all harkened back to the time when she first met Q. And for me, the Peter Pan colors are like the pinnacle of that version of Alice, like youthful, feminine, innocent, all of those things. So I thought it was really cool to see that in this episode. Um, like we've gotten more of those skirt, the like poofy skirts coming back, but it was really nice to see the, mm. the return of the Peter Pan collar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. Joey. We have to ask all of our guests this. So, whose wardrobe would you steal? Ooh. <laughs> Me, personally. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. <laughs> hmm. I'd probably go with Elliot. There's something, there's something about the vest that I really dig. <laughs> I'm just like, I, okay, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I think that's the most common choice, but I do love that earlier this season we had we had Stephanie Coggins on and we asked her that question and we were so ready to hear Elliot or Margot because that's everyone's answer and she was like, mm, Josh. No, that's my second choice. I like he wears comfortable clothes. That's me. Yeah, he's also got a lot of boots, and it's just like he actually kind of dresses more how I actually dress. So I think think maybe I'm like reaching for the fantasy version of me. Yeah, (laughs) I hear that. Yeah, you would you would steal that wardrobe, and then it would just sit in your closet for ages. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just for magician. (laughs) (laughs) well so it's it's mvp time this is another big ensemble episode 
like really, really ensemble. So that makes it hard. But I think the scene with Alice in the hallway, like that was my favorite quiet moment of the episode. Um, and it was so perfect. And it was lovely to hear her singing again. It even brought my husband out of his office in the other room to comment on it. Cause he like, he, he doesn't watch the episodes with me anymore. He just sort of like sits in his office and does other things, but I had it on and he walked out and he was like, who's that? I want to see this <laughs> and like stuck around for five minutes. So for that reason, um, I'm going to give my MVP to Olivia this time. What about you, Danny? Um, I definitely feel inclined to give it to Olivia as well because her performance is just so emotional, but I think I really want to give it to both Stella and Arjun for finally being able to sell me a little bit on their shit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> They were just so lovely and soft and like they really carried such an emotional arc in like such a batshit episode. Crazy. Like it's just I think that they did such a good job just kind of like anchoring the episode. So I think I would give it to both Stella and Arjun. A solid choice. Jade, what about you? You got an MVP, someone you want to shout out? Yeah, I I do. I do. Like, I, I mean, I agree with both of you. I think Liv did such an incredible job, um, but the, with those emotional moments and the singing, and yeah, Stella and Arjun just killed it, and it was really heartfelt and beautiful, but I got to give it to Brittany. I mean, the speed <laughs> moment, I mean, all those, like, those Brittany moments, I just, like, I found myself cackling every time, like, her falling on the floor out of the suitcase, and there was a moment where, where she was talking to the couple, and, and they were like, uh, and she said something along the lines, I'm going to butcher it, it's not going to be verbatim, but, um, like, they wanted to have a kid, mm-hmm. and they couldn't, and then she's like, are you sure that's a good choice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one, it was like, and I was just like, cackling over that and just her delivery I just think she she did such an incredible job and the seed was hilarious like all of those moments were just just brought it to another level for me so I gotta give it to Brit I just like a good best friend (laughs) yeah like a good best friend I just love when she screams out she's just like I've got it Oh my god! The amount of takes that that she did in those crazy voices too, like there is an entire spectrum of deliveries spectrum. that, and like we were like that Her one. Face was red. She was sweating because of it. Like she just committed. So, this is why, because she committed so fully to every moment, and I was so. And I, any actor that does that like a thousand percent, I'm just like, I'm proud of. <laughs> there's actually an outtake that exists somewhere on, on, the, on, the, on the cutting room floor somewhere the couple grabs her and pulls her down the hall right into one of those wrought iron doors like oh, she no. just smacked into her really hard we were like oh my god what was that and it was just like i was Brittany hitting a door oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> that makes me so happy we got terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's very Brittany. <laughs> so Joey, that takes us to you. Who's your MVP for this episode? I refuse to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> <Rude>. Olivia and <laughs> Olivia and Hale in in their duet is just it never ceases to floor me. And it, it was just from from recording to shooting it on the day. It, it's just you know you. It was just movie magic, honestly. Where you're just your jaw is on the floor all day crying through every single take, just watching these two just bring it and, and, and not in like a forceful way either. Like it's just, it's just 
pure raw emotion and it's just incredible to watch and just inspiring to to be a part of um and then because i'm not picking because it's honestly it's moments that i'm picking it's that moment and the other moment is jade's when she chugs her bottle and she goes, oh. out. and you're just like, yeah, like, let's do this. Aww. <laughs> um, I, lo- I love those moments that you've chosen. And I realize we haven't actually talked at all about that, that Alice and Elliot moment. But I remember when I watched that thinking like this, this is the song that is talking directly to those fans who feel like the show has saved them. Like, that's really what it felt like to me. And I don't know if that's what you were thinking, but it's definitely associated. And it's also, and it's also one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's about healing and coming together and being there for one another, like despite everything. And that's, that's really what that scene is. And, and it's really just what the show is about the, like the entire, the entire thing. Um, yeah, I was giggling at Jade and her dog, not at the. Uh, <laughs> what you said was little, very meaningful and uh, deep. My baby. giggle is a this. I'm gonna take a screenshot so that I can <laughs> share it. He's just like. I just love how his legs are just out straight. Oh. Just like, he's oh, being a baby. He's, yeah, he's oh, doing the baby. Well, thank you for your MVPs. We are at our final analysis time. Um, so I'll go first. This episode was just so delightfully campy and frankly insane. There's a ton going on at all moments and times. And so, again, like my favorite moments were those quietest ones. Alice singing Bowie in the hallway after the emotion bottle breaks, her Peter Gabriel duet with Elliot in the hotel room, all of the Penny and Julia arc. Um, but then there were also the moments of craziness that I loved, like the Katie Alice Elliot three-way of convenience, um, the <laughs> Fen shoving that the world. That was our idea, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, Olivia's mom was on set that day, too. Wait, Olivia's was? <laughs> True. Cheering, I'm sure. Um, also, of course, Fen shoving the world seat up her hoo-ha to keep it uh, safe and Santa coming to the rescue at the end. Also, I didn't mention this, but like, I really liked Fen's whole thing with like tricking the couple with her Valorian knowledge, like just relying on them, seeing her as Valorian and being like, yeah, they're going to believe anything I say because it was very crafty. Um... The opening number also, because in part because it was just, it was, it set the tone for this entire insane episode in the best way. And also because we had Sean on for, was it 509? Yeah. And he told us, he was like, nobody's going to guess my musical number. And when he said that, I think we both assumed that it was going to be as the Dark King uh, but I certainly never would have imagined he'd be singing as the pig man. Uh, he's such a champ too. That that is a very very hot suit, and so <laughs> we we actually had to plan around that where it was just between takes. 
we had brought in an, an actual, like, just our air conditioner tube, and he would just stand in this, like, oh, freezer zone to just keep cool and try and limit his sweating because, like, in the prosthetics, like, the sweat doesn't go anywhere, so it just starts filling up. <laughs> and he's so just dancing take after take after take, and it's just, you're in awe because you're just like, that is so uncomfortable. This guy is such a pro that every single take, he's bringing it, and it's amazing. <laughs> It was my favorite musical number. I, 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 I loved it. And for when I love that song, I always associate it with 10 Things I Hate About You, though. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I love it. I love that song. It was such a good choice. It was just so, like, fun and upbeat. Yes. It was yeah. over the top in the best way, like this entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Danny, yeah, what about you? What's your, your final analysis? Um, well, we didn't really get to talk about it too much. Um, you've mentioned it sporadically, but I really loved all of the scenes between Alice and Elliot. It's so nice to see that they are still like bonded after uh, 503. Yeah. And the duet was just so emotional and lovely, and they both killed it. It was, it was nice to see how they brought up George torturing her, too, just mm-hmm. a couple episodes before, and how um, it was hard for her to face him again. Um, I kind of wish she was the one that got revenge on him, but I do feel like Margot shot him in the hand for her. So I liked that. This group just seems to work like really seamlessly now, and um, they've pulled off some crazy schemes. I I just love how how close everyone is now. It just feels like they would go to war for each other, and I love that they collectively wanted to kill Sir Effingham in Julie's honor. <laughs> Because I feel like that would never have happened a couple seasons ago. Like, everyone hated Julia, and now everyone would do anything for her. Um, So I just feel like everyone's come a really long way, and it just makes me, like, super emotional. And is it just me, or does it feel like Marina actually might care about them a little bit now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She won't tell you. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Also that. Those little moments between her and uh, Zelda were, were nice. <laughs> I, those moments, the like yeah. cute part where like Zelda's coming close to her and is like, and then Marina's like, "Don't <laughs> yeah. sing with you." <laughs> so Aww. good. I, I also never brought up the fact that I actually guessed one of the songs right. That's true. You got uh, the the big the big Ramones number. Yeah, you awesome. got the Ramones number. So like. John like put a little spoiler saying that it would be OG punk and literally my first guess was Ramones and, <laughs> and I was like like I want to be sedated it's just like one of the fucking best songs ever <laughs> I, I was I was like as soon as it started I was like oh my god yes <laughs> well with that I think we've reached the end of our time so Jade Joey Jade's dog thank you so much for joining <laughs> us yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Always a pleasure. Oh, we're gonna miss yeah. this. Tell you. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> Not too many tears this time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're expecting full on waterworks at that point. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, thank you, too, for joining us. As usual, if you like what you heard, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on your favorite podcast, podcast app. That's it. That's the whole episode. 
Wash your hands, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>